Hey, folks, Tom and Keith thanking you for tuning in each and every week to listen to Front Row Knowles via the podcast. And a special thank you to the folks at the Dunlap Champions Club for their continued support of this podcast. A great place to watch Florida State ball game. a great place to have a good time. Remember, you can access the club on Friday night. You can go there on Saturday. You can repeat it on Sunday, an entire weekend of events. Whether it's for personal fandom or if you want to entertain clients, employees, social groups, uh, there's different packages available. You can get a single game uh, ticket experience as well and just sample it uh, at one game this year. Some new features, too, uh, from year one. They've got misters and fans in there, and they also are really emphasizing uh, flavorful food, but with a local connection, local tie, expanded food opportunities. John Rivers of Four Rivers will be in there preparing. Uh, also, you can get Bradley sausage for those of you that remember that. How, how do I get more information? They can get more information by calling uh, 850-644-1830, option one, or you can visit fsuclubseats.com. Thanks again to them and enjoy this week's Front Row Knowles. Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. Hello again, everybody. It is Wednesday. We welcome you to Front Row Knowles. Tom and Keith back with you. KJ, no offense, but it used to be a lot more fun, quite frankly, when you and I would get together. Why is there a couch in the studio now? (laughs) Well, it's it's been that kind of year. Who goes first? Do you you play uh, psychiatrist and I lay on the couch, or do uh, you lay on the couch and I play psychiatrist? I mean, we do this twice a week, and and, uh, somebody's making some money on this, right? Wow. It... um, what would you like to talk about? My favorite thing to talk about today might be the comments. World of, Series? Should we go? No, I'm going to stick with college football, okay. Florida State variety. Uh, but I'm going to suggest the uh, Jacob Pugh comments. Okay. Because for those that have never been in a locker room, they may not appreciate, A, the candor and candidness of his comments, and B, what he was speaking to, and those that are not familiar, basically Jacob uh, was in an interview with, with the Tallahassee Democrats said that there's no leadership. Well, in all in the media, team. in all the media, yeah. Correct. One I read was from the Democrat, that there's no leadership on this team. And he was aware because he was recruited during 2013, and he was a freshman in 2014 when there was leadership on this team. And I've been saying since the Alabama game, that what has been lacking most on this team, not complete, not the total reason for the two and five start, is there's no leadership from the players on this squad. And basically what Pew said is what I've been preaching. It is, in his estimation, that fact. What's what's damning to Jacob about this, unfortunately, is, he is a he's senior. a senior. That was my first reaction when I heard him unload. And as a result, that just speaks to the disconnect and the dysfunctional aspect of this 2017 team, at least in the locker room at the player level. Obviously, there's some disconnect and dysfunction at the coaching level, and there's some disconnect and dysfunction with the coaches to the players. You know, if you look at those three uh, 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 Dynamics. dynamics, thank you. But that was confirmation to me that what I've been seeing for six, seven, eight weeks now uh, is, in fact, the case, at least that one individual's perspective. No question there's been a leadership void. And and Jimbo has pointed this out, but it was self-evident to me. When you come off of the personality that is Jameis Winston and guys like LaMarcus Joyner and Telvin Smith and the alpha dogs that were on this team, you could have very good leaders the next year, and you might not notice it because they're not who those guys were. I mean, think back to the Ole Miss game last year. Jameis was in the locker room. Jameis isn't on the team. And he's still. And he's the one giving the talk to the team in the locker room there when they had fallen behind against Ole Miss. So that was a huge void. Do you think, in hindsight, because everybody loves to play the hindsight game, that the staff or the other players perhaps just got accustomed to there being some players that forced others to carry their water. Those players moved on and nobody Nobody picked it up. Nobody Nobody picked picked it up, up. but nobody really noticed that it was that big a void. It's an oversimplification, but... It is, but it's a very truthful statement, nevertheless. One of the first things, again, those that haven't been around a locker room will come back and say, well, the coaches should have appointed someone. You don't want to appoint leaders. 
if you appoint a leader, they're never going to lead. Leaders come from within. They rise from within. Uh, and and we commented last week and the week prior, you know, I, I went out of my way to have conversations with kids from different eras, 93 national championship team, 99 national championship team, and, and, and asked them, what do you see? And without question, every one of them in all those eras said, there's no leadership on this team. It's got to come from the players. And I think the number one reason is that we've got too many uh, five-star kids that never had to be leaders in the high school because they don't know what leadership is because they were so good athletically, they were just self-appointed. And therefore, they've never really thought about the fact of what they do and what they don't do. And as a result, you've got a, a, a group of 85 kids that have no internal direction, and the coaches can only do so much. On the offensive side of the ball, it's not always, but typically your quarterback is going to be your leader. And so if you think early in Jimbo's career, he wound up, first part he had Christian Ponder as an upperclassman, and Ponder was already working on his master's and by default was just a leader in that position. Then you had EJ, who played as a he didn't redshirt, did he? He played as a fourth-year junior and fifth-year senior. Maybe he redshirted. It runs together on him. Either way, he was an upperclassman. Then you had the personality of Jameis. Now we've gone three straight years where you've had a first-year quarterback. You had Everett Golson come in who knew nobody. Correct. Then last year, as a redshirt freshman, Francois is your quarterback, who, yes, he'd been two years in the program, but he's still a freshman, and he's quiet by And he's nature. a quiet guy by nature. And then because of Francois' injury, you got another first-year starting quarterback in James Blackman, which Who, is who's not, not necessarily quiet, but he's a true freshman, only been on campus since June. Which is not to excuse any of it, because really you can point the finger back and say they missed on some quarterback recruits if you're having to play young guys, and we don't need to have that conversation. But the point remains that instead of having a third-year quarterback at least, you've had a guy that's basically in his first year with the keys to the, to the offense. And you go back and look at you know by comparison if you look at uh the dynasty years under coach bowden you know one of the things that was talked about during that time frame is as a quarterback you were going to sit three years and you were not even but those days are gone though it's a different environment but i'm saying that's a reason why you had 14 consecutive years of very good football well it is a parallel to how things have come off the tracks here because that 14 years ended when chris ricks played as a freshman instead of a redshirt junior i rest my case not to have a chris ricks discussion right now but i mean so that point is valid but back to your point about the five stars there's other programs that get five stars now the one in Tuscaloosa, we don't even want to discuss that one because nothing seems to affect what happens there. It's but, true, it is truly amazing what what they've been able to do over the. But Ohio State has recruited well. LSU has recruited well. You know, Ohio State's a better example because they've been a better product on the field of late over the last few years than what LSU has been. I don't know if it's just the stars, the number of stars, whether it's four or five. But I think your point about them being able to get by with athletic talent alone and maybe not having to work as hard or maybe not having to be the leader because naturally everybody looked at them as the leader i think there is something to that now i don't know how you assess that better in the recruiting process other than doing more homework uh, and that has to be an area you know jimbo talks about though you look at what's going on and at the end of the year you evaluate i would say that has to be very high on the radar i mean there, there's got to be a way to at least give the effort to try to determine which of these kids that you're bringing in are going to ultimately get into that uh, area where they can be leaders. Um, That's a very difficult thing to predict, a very difficult thing to cultivate. I I get all that. There should be. But there's got to be something that can be done to at least improve it, some measurement. And the defense has enough upperclassmen and seniors that there should be a leader on there. I don't. I just don't get that. I just don't understand why. I mean, I, I never considered myself a leader on well, my team. Well, I mean, we, we 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 had we had four or five kids when I was playing uh, that were in my class that I looked to Monk and Reggie and and Paul and Ron. I mean, they they were the guys that we all looked to. We had, we had several. Maybe maybe Tommy. Maybe maybe it's just. That happens in unique situations. My group, we had some great success, and then as soon as we left, 
it, it went down a little bit. Right. It took a while to build it back up. We've had great success under Jimbo, and it's gone down. It'll take a little while to build it back up. Maybe it's not well, we, quantifiable. Maybe it and, is just the way things go. And you don't have to go. be a senior to lead. You just assume if you have six or seven seniors. But, again, when we talked about this maybe on our Sunday show, if you look at it, Nate Andrews doesn't play enough to be the, the leader, even though he's a fifth-year senior. Matthew Thomas has had so many issues on and off the field that it's not going to be him. Roderick Hoskins has never emerged in that role. Jacob Q pointed out the problem but didn't step up to solve it. Nope. Uh, Erman Lane moved offense, so it's not going to be him. You know, so then you go to Derek Noddy. I, I do think Derek Noddy and Derwin James is the answer to who the defensive but leaders Derwin's are. Derwin's so daggum quiet. I mean, he barks occasionally. And, and, and Noddy is quiet. So anyway, that, that's an area where there's, there's clearly a void. So, so moving this conversation along. So twofold question. Do you expect at this point that the effort and the attention to detail anything will improve over the last month based on we just got embarrassed in Boston College and how about for four games we put aside the fact that we all have our own agendas and we at least try to play comparable to what the sum of our parts is typically what I've seen in a situation like this and you and I talked about this on Sunday is if you've got other kids that you were preparing to play you play them earlier I made the comment, if you right. have somebody that was going to come in on the third or fourth series, you bring them in on the second series. If you've got somebody that was going to play 10 plays, you let them play 30. I mean, to the point where you sit some of your upperclassmen and let these underclassmen get an opportunity. Maybe they'll show a spark. Maybe they'll create a spark. You remember, it, it doesn't take much for a forest fire to get started. It just takes a spark. And maybe that kid's out there and you just don't know it yet. So you you advance how quickly you get people into the ball game and you increase the number of snaps that some of your second and third teamers get and roll the dice. You got nothing to lose. No, you, everybody everybody you thinks we're going to lose to Syracuse anyway. I mean, every, 51% or more of the people sitting in the stands on Saturday are going to expect Florida State to lose to Syracuse. You got nothing to lose. You got nothing to lose. Maybe, and I don't know Jacob Pugh that well, but. For guys in his class, they came in and there was leadership, and they just assumed that it sort of organically happened. So you could say the freshmen right now who are engaged, and maybe they're not contributing as much, but they're engaged and they're seeing that leadership is not happening. Maybe it becomes more evident to them that they need to step up and become those leaders. I don't know if I'm describing that well. Well, the, the, that does, That's not an immediate fix, but it does suggest that in a couple years, maybe these guys point back and know that, hey, when I was a freshman – it, it, there, there just wasn't leaders, and so we made it a point that we had leaders in our the, group. The only thing I see that's dangerous, and, and I'm going to pick on one of the kids so you can be mad at me if you want to, but all this has now happened. If, what what doesn't need to happen is someone like a Nyquan Murray say to himself, I'm now going to be the leader and start running his mouth because he doesn't have any credibility with the team. So that that's the well, downside. That, that, that goes back to you saying that it, it has to naturally happen. Correct. Uh, you, it seems like you'd be hard-pressed to get 100 guys on a team or 85 on scholarship, and there wouldn't naturally be a couple guys who would step up. But uh, Jimbo will tell you that think, the, the last three or four years, the whole it, in, in terms of society today and the kids, they're, they're just different, which every team has got the same age kids, so they could all say that, I guess. Here's the other question, and then we'll get our Seminoles.com insider Tim Linnefeld on. Whatever assessment Jimbo is going to do or is doing right now, Whatever changes he is going to make, whether it's coaches or philosophy or organizational structure, do you think that they will be greater or that look will be more serious in light of the fact that, A, Miami is still unbeaten, and B, Florida just cut the cord and is going to hire an entirely new coaching staff? I I don't think Jimbo pays attention to what's going on around him, particularly the rivals. I think what Jimbo will refocus on is how what has Alabama done different in the last two or three years that I might need to do? What has Ohio State done different? What did Chip Kelly do at Notre Dame that was different? What's happening at USC that's different? I don't think he'll pay attention to the immediate surroundings and or the rivals. I don't think that motivates him. I think he'll he'll go bigger picture. And if or when he uncovers and or discovers things that he thinks are valuable, he'll borrow those from from other organizations. So, no, I, I don't think that materially impacts. It'll certainly materially impact how our fans judge any changes that Jimbo makes. 
Because, no question. Because we've seen what's happened in Miami, Coral Gables, and Gainesville. Uh, but I don't know that it affects Jimbo. He's he, he, he looks in another direction in that regard, I think. I'm going to look in the direction of Madison Social, where they had a pumpkin carving contest leading up to Halloween. They've uh, got the front row seats for the Friday night block party this week. John Langston come in. You in. like that being named after you, don't you? The block party? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's embarrassing when you go to a restaurant and you're like, block party one. You know, it's not much of a block party at that point. Anyway, the bigger picture here is go to Madison Social, Centrale Township. Tell them that uh, Keith said that uh, you should pay him a visit or that you heard that a block party one was a good time and so you wanted to stop by. Our Seminoles.com insider Tim Linnefeld joins us right after this. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Welcome you back to Front Row Knowles, Tom and Keith, and our Seminoles.com insider Tim Linnefelt will join us now via the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. Tim, we just, each week we're struggling to find the exact right music to just set the tone for your segment. How are you, sir? Well, we've had a few too many opportunities to try, too. Yeah, it's... Uh... It, it, it kind of captures the mood of things, but I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. Yeah, I feel like if I was a baseball player, I'd be hitting like a buck eighty-five and every, Some, somewhere below the Mendoza line. And every at bat, I would be saying, "Okay, we got to change the walk-up music again." That's kind of where we are right now. Hey, you know, at, at this point, every little bit helps, I guess. Right? Might as well overturn all the stones and, and see what's under there. So, Tim, I feel like we put you uh, on the spot to to make us feel better each and every week. Keith has already pointed out that. The majority of folks, Florida State folks, are convinced that FSU will lose to Syracuse this week because that's just where the mindset is, regardless of the point spread. So tell us why that won't happen and how Florida State will rally around the debacle that was the BC game and show up and play for 60 minutes. Well, I mean, that's kind of the the million-dollar question, right? Uh, Look, you know, this is kind of a weird way to phrase this, but I think, you know, Florida State would be – Syracuse for the same reason they would beat Boston College. Uh, they're better than they are, you know. Um, and maybe last week was enough to to kind of rally some pride, uh, if you will. To I mean, you know, that was a, that was an embarrassing loss. Jimbo Fisher said as much. Derwin James said, you know, he was asked, you know, is that embarrassing? He said, of course it's embarrassing. We're Florida State, um, and so you know what what has me curious is you know after all the the previous losses to, to Alabama, NC State, Miami, and Louisville, uh, Jimbo would say after the game. Uh, and nobody wanted to hear it, but but he was right, and I think he's been it's, it's even more so in the context of the BC game. Is that you look at all those games and you say, if a player two here had gone differently, or if a moment two here had gone differently, and, and I know everybody's rolling their eyes at that, but if those plays had gone differently, some of those games could have turned out differently, and maybe this game, season would have a different outcome. Maybe you you only have two losses or three losses instead of five, and then not to say that everybody should be happy with two or three losses, but it's also not quite the 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 red siren that, that's going off now at two and five. Well, that's no longer the case. The, the, you know, there there was no one play or, or one moment or, or one situation against Boston College that had it gone differently, Florida State would have won that game. It's, it's just not the case. So, uh, you know, the, you, you no longer have that in your back pocket. You no longer have the idea of, of this this was close uh, and this is you know a young team making young mistakes. Maybe that's enough to to whip guys into shape. Maybe that's enough to grab their attention to, to show them that you know. A, a higher level of effort, a higher level of compete. I mean, honestly, a higher level of everything uh, is required. And you know, those are those are Jimbo's words after the game, not, not mine. You know, he said that it was a, it was a failure, you know, from top to bottom. I mean, nobody nobody met the standard in that game. And so, knowing that you have the ability, and I think the Florida State does in terms of, of talent and, and what they're capable of, we we you know we still have seen it at times. Uh, knowing that you have that in you is is that type of loss, that type of embarrassment, is that enough to bring it out of you? Uh, for a home game against a conference opponent. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's in there. Whether or not it happens, 
We'll see. Hey, for the record, Tim, I thought your effort on Seminoles.com was solid, though. I didn't see that as a failure. I, th- oh, I, I, I thought you did a nice job. To, uh, Keith wants to ask. My him. job's a lot easier. <laughs> there were two grammatical errors, but we'll get over that. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, what, what, we've talked about it, and we won't tell you what we talked about. We'll just ask you, what do you, th- what do you make of Jacob Pugh's comments? Yeah, they, I was really surprised by that. Um, it was, you know, it, two things. One, I mean, look, I think whenever a, a senior who has been around the program for a long time uh, was part, you know, what, what led into that was a question about what's the difference between this team and the 2014 team. Uh, and, and he would know because he was there. Uh, whenever a senior who, who has been around the program says something like that, I think it's probably wise to listen. Uh, you know, my, my first question was, I wonder if there are other guys. I mean, it's not my, not my first question to Jacob. My internal question was, I wonder if there are other guys, particularly veterans, uh, who feel the same way. Uh, and, and I would, you know, wager there probably are. Uh, so I think it'd be wise to listen and, and say, you know, even if you don't necessarily agree with what he's saying, the fact that he feels that way, um, it's probably pretty significant. Uh, and, and so, you know, that was kind of an eye-opener to me. Uh, but then I also thought, you know, quite frankly, um, for Jacob, and, and he's a guy that I like. I remember you know, I, co- I covered him when he was in high school uh, down at Godby. He's, he's, a, he's a good guy, and I like that he was honest. But I also thought, you know, man, you're, you're a senior. You're a starter. Um, you know, you, he was one of the, 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 the stars of, of spring and fall camp. Um, you know where 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 is the disconnect? I mean, because I don't I don't know that Jacobs had the season that he he thought he would have or wanted to have, um, and so you know I was I thought the same thing too. It was like man, it's it's kind of a I don't know it, it just sort of to come from a guy uh, who had been there that long, but also you know was 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 part of what he's talking about. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. There, there was a lot to unpack there, I guess. But but like I said, my overall takeaway is, is whether you agree or disagree with what he said, it, it almost doesn't matter because. I, I, I fully believe that he believes what he said. And, and if that's the case, then, um, then yeah, that's pretty significant. My turn? What'd Your you, turn. What would you make of it? Uh, uh, essentially the same thing. Essentially the same thing, yeah. yeah. Um, all right, I, I'll save most of my questions for rapid fire. Uh, I, I guess a, a one, the, the one other bigger qu- picture question I'll ask, Tim, and uh, as we sit here, there's – everybody's got a theory and, and uh, speculation on what's going to happen, what changes are going to be made, all that. We don't we don't know. Uh, but do you think that, and I asked Keith this question too, in light of the fact that Miami's unbeaten, Florida has, is making a change, Florida State's going in the wrong direction, do you, do you expect that Jimbo will be open to making changes, whether that's coaching staff, whether that's really looking in the mirror and saying, I've got to do something different offensively, or we've got to change our organizational structure so that the message is not just heard, but actually absorbed. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, of course, I, I think so. Uh, and, and again, I know I, I sound like I'm probably parroting him a little bit, but I, I think so much of what he says takes on a different meaning um, in the context of this season. Is and You've heard him in the past say that, that they evaluate every offseason uh, and, and make you know changes or make adjustments accordingly. Um, and, and the difference is over, over the last really seven seasons uh, of his tenure, they haven't been very far off the mark of whatever standard that they set. You know, whether it's uh, and you're talking about a program that's won conference championships, national championships. When when those things are rolling the way they were, uh, several of them with basically this staff, this staff, by the way, there's not really a, a a real need to make those types of changes or to to come to much concrete at the end of those evaluations. Well, well, this year I don't think anybody in the building. Uh, from the locker room on up, would say that, that this team and the program has met its own standards, the standards that it has set. So maybe you'll see things a little bit more significant. I don't. I really, you know, I truly don't know what that would be. Um, I think it could be a lot of different things. I think anybody right now who says that they know is, is probably not telling you the truth or, or just you know speculating as much as they possibly can. Um, so you know, we'll we'll kind of see. Uh, I think it's going to be a really interesting. Uh, next few months. I mean, this is kind of uncharted territory for Jimbo. He's never been through a season like this. So, uh, you know, yeah, I, I, I do think there's going to be a lot of evaluation. Uh, you know, the the coaches and, and the program has kind of built itself uh, on the idea of, of, you know, following a process and through following that process, you'll get the results that you want. But also every college football coach, certainly at this level, knows that, that it's a result-based business. You follow the process to get those results, but you're graded on the results, right? So, and when you're not meeting the standards that that you have for yourselves, then that that's kind of what happens. That's the way it goes. So, 
Uh, we'll see. Uh, I, I'm, I'm sure that, that you know Jimbo is is not. You know, he, it's not like he's not aware uh, of what's going on. That this is a different season, and it's, it's kind of like you know we were talking about how the BC game was different than the games before it. I mean, this this season is different than than going ten and three in, in 2015 and 2016. So, uh, what exactly that means, I don't know, but uh, but I, I'm sure that there's going to be a lot of time spent thinking about it. Uh, you know, in, in Jimbo's office and, and kind of determine how to move forward. But look, you know, also. Um, you know there are some other games left on this you know in this season and and so I think you first and foremost you know you you have a home game this weekend you have a game at Clemson um, I think there is something to be said for doing the best you can to kind of rally everybody together uh, beat Syracuse Clemson has looked vulnerable at times this year I think I don't think there's any reason to think that if Florida State plays as well as it can um, that game can be competitive, maybe even in, in, in get a win there. I mean, if Syracuse can beat Clemson, I think Florida State can too. Um, I think those are, are worthwhile goals. You know, whether they have an impact on what happens beyond this season, uh, you know, I don't know. But it, it's worth going out and, and putting your best foot forward in those games and, and trying to make something happen. That's just my opinion. Well stated, and uh, I asked for your opinion, so we appreciate you sharing it. That's your role here at Seminoles.com. <laughs> that and to uh, get humiliated every week when we replay rapid fire and judge. Oh, this isn't going to go well, is it? Uh, actually, I have not heard the results, and you know the way my memory is, I'm, I'm getting like Keith. I don't remember what I had for breakfast today. What, what's rapid fire? Let alone the questions that I asked you last week. So let's uh, listen back. Over under 39 and a half points for Boston College this week. Under number of bowls of clam chowder that keith jones will eat this week over or under one and a half over the size of the lobster kj will order tomorrow night at dinner the over oh, under gosh. the over under is two pounds over i hope number of carries for cam Akers. now that uh, jacques patrick is out of the way i'm setting the over under at 20 over will ryan green get a carry yes no no uh, number of wins this week for FSU. Unfortunately, I keep coming back to this one. The over-under is a half. Still going the over. Number of throwback passes attempted by Boston College against FSU's defense. They're always good for those, so I'm setting it at one and a half. I think under, but I definitely think you'll see one. And a simple yes-no question. Will the radio crew have an adult beverage at the Bell in Hand, which is America's oldest tavern located in downtown Boston? Oh, my God. That's, that's the easiest one of the day, of course. More positive than negative there, Tim. Nice job. You- hey, uh, yeah, I like that. I like that. And you, the Ryan Green one was close. And you know what? The uh, the throwback one, I think BC had a uh, – they were setting up a throwback pass, but they ended up not actually throwing it. So getting but, there by the hair of my chinny-chin-chin. Chin. Yeah, yeah, but nevertheless, you know, five and yep. three. That's right. You have been steady and consistent all season. Uh, you know, I I, uh, I try. I, I credit you guys for coming up with the uh, question. Well, I – Speaking of which. We have a staff <laughs> – of hundreds that uh, they spend a hours. staff of ones. Yeah, they they research these questions and then miraculously in the five minutes uh, do we do the interview with you. I we stri- make Matthew. I we make Matthew figure out the answers and it comes out sounding like this. Here we go, Tim. You ready? Yes, sir. Rapid fire this week. All right, Dodgers or Strohs tonight? Dodgers. All right. Will FSU win the coin toss on Saturday? No. Will Cam, uh, plus or minus 100 yards for Cam Akers? Plus. Number of possessions for Florida State in this game, bearing in mind that Syracuse goes tempo. I'm setting it at 13 and a half. Over. The over-under in the game is 50.5. Where are you going? Under. This one, I'll give you, well, it's not on the list, but I'll ask it anyway. Is DJ Matthews going to be the punt returner? I think so. Okay, so will he have a punt return of at least 25, over under 25 and a half yards for his longest return? Under, but I think he'll do well. Will the marching Chiefs win halftime? Always. Will Justin Motlow have a catch? No. The leading tackler will be, fill in the blank. Matthew Thomas. Keith, you want to add anything or just stop there? I'm just giggling. All right. Will Keith have over under one and a half bowls of clam chowder this week. <laughs> I don't think seems like 
seems like under, but you know, I heard a rumor that they're chicken and waffles coming this weekend, so maybe you want to set one whoa, there. Whoa, 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 wait a minute now. Whoa, I don't know, wait I don't know a minute. That out. That might be, I might be getting in trouble for that. I don't know. Well, you've either disclosed maybe the best part of this football season, or you're going to make <laughs> people really angry when there's not. We'll kick you so we'll dead see. in the shin if you're wrong. Do you have... Uh, just a rumor. Just a rumor. Oh, so you have not corroborated. You don't have a second source on this? You just have one rumor at this point? Hey, I feel pretty strong about it. All right. Well, we will. you will be the first person that incurs our wrath when there's not chicken and waffles at this game on Saturday, okay? Well, if there's not, it's because I, I messed it up uh, in the first place, so we'll see. All right, Tim, appreciate it. You got it, fellas. Our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefeld. That's the first thing that's gotten us excited all day. That's a pretty sad thing, Keith. Well, last home game, kickoff was at noon. And the question was whether we were going to have breakfast or lunch. The way we're going, by the way, next year's schedule, they're just going to announce the times when oh, they release the schedule. It's the, going to say 12 noon for every home game. The only thing that will be different is whether it's 12.06 or 12.04 on the kickoff. Or 12.20 in the yeah. case of this week. Go ahead. But anytime you have the noon kickoff, you're always questioning in the pregame or the press meal, is it going to be breakfast or is it going to be lunch? And, and most of the time for years past, it's been breakfast. But what was it this time? It was lunch. It was lunch. So maybe, just maybe, because waffles, chicken and waffles is both a breakfast and a late dinner type of meal. So maybe they're compromising. Well, there is a new uh, food service mm-hmm. on campus, mm-hmm. you know, so chicken and waffles. All right. And if it's not, blame Tim. We'll come back and talk more on Front Row Knowles right after this. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. Tom and Keith will talk a little more football, react to what Tim had to say. Funny how he got all the questions about your appetite in Boston correct, by the way. He knows me well. He knows me well. We we have to give him some layups now and then. Every now and then. Because the rest is uh, is hard enough to figure out. Anything uh, out of the ordinary that you'd like to react to from what Tim said? Well, one thing we didn't talk to him about that is the buzz is, you know, bowl eligibility. Obviously, FSU still... From a numerical alive, from a yes. numerical standpoint, could get there. I guess the question becomes: Should should we be pooling for FSU to make a bowl in order to keep the bowl streak alive, or is there legitimacy to saying no? We don't want to go to a bowl because that will give Jimbo an opportunity to start on changes quicker. I, for one, would vote for going to the bowl because of the bowl streak. But I acknowledge there may be, from the betterment of the program perspective, uh, legitimacy to saying, no, don't go to a bowl. That way you can start implementing changes, whatever those changes are, sooner. I would vote for the bowl streak. Now, we're old school guys who want to see the bowl. It's not just the bowl streak. It's the it's the non-losing seasons. That's the longest streak in the country, too. And that's longer by seven or eight years than the bowl streak. You could make changes while going to a bowl now they may not be all your changes but they would be some of them and you get 15 practices with in theory a new attitude if if you're making change if you're going to change half your coaching staff well you could let that half go the half that's staying could get you through the bowl game with the graduate assistants and you've sort of hit reset there even if all your parts and places aren't in well we did we did that in 12 right there were five or six coaches that left at the end of the 2012 season. That That's the year we played Northern Illinois. Correct. And two or three of them left immediately. A couple of them stayed. I think I remember DJ Elliott stayed as the defensive coordinator through the bowl game and, and, and comported himself very well. I think everybody agreed. He showed his class and integrity because that was a very good effort on his part right. going up against that Northern Illinois option uh, team. And then the very next year, you win the national championship. Obviously, the players did that, not necessarily the coaches. So we've been through what you might consider wholesale changes in a year in which you went to a bowl, and but in which you lost, was it five or six coaches? It was later? six, ultimately. Six coaches. So I guess I, I guess I should rephrase my statement. Maybe it is better 
you can go to the bowl and you can make the changes. Well, At least we've done that once. If you're not going to a bowl and so you finish the Florida game or if you play the next week and you play Louisiana Monroe, if that happens, even if you changed everything the next day and replaced your entire staff and your entire way of doing business, you're not in a practice position. You're not in an off-season conditioning program position until February. I mean, so you're changing your weightlifting, your strength and conditioning. To me, there's just much more that could be changed or it started to be implemented if you had bowl practices. And and now that I think that through, I don't. I, I think I probably the, agree the reason with you. people say they want it immediately is because they're afraid that recruiting will dry up and nobody will ever come to FSU again. Well, Florida State's had top five recruiting classes for the last four years, and I don't. I have no idea where they are now. Even if it, they drop and they get the 40th ranked class right now, they're going to put together another top 10 class next year and the year after that and the year after that. And there will be enough talent for them to compete at the highest level. So I would agree with that. I, you know, everybody's been out of shape because Justin Fields isn't coming here right now. And I understand that maybe he's a once every decade type prospect. But there'll be another quarterback next year that everybody wants and Florida State may or may not get him. So I'm not as worried about the short term of the recruiting as the long term which is changing the culture. And well, the and remember, too, and remember too, the recruiting changes because you've got the early signing period. Now, again, that's at the end of the season. You've played your games, et cetera, et cetera. But you'll have an idea, at least marginally, as to what effect coaches leaving or not leaving and bowl or no bowl or losing season or winning season is with the – how many will sign? Five, seven, ten? We don't know. It's the first time around. Exactly. But, I mean, you, you'll have a small sample. Now, I would say that in the case – so you bring up the early signing period. Some guys that, if the staff stays intact, are planning to sign with Florida State – may hold off and see which pieces come in before they sign. In other words, you might have signed 12, but now you're going to sign six because the other six are waiting to see what happens, Right, as an example. Right. So, And we just don't know the dynamic on that, but I still would argue in favor of the, of the bowl streak overall. And as I've articulated here before, what you really don't want to happen, and other schools do it, the last thing I want is for Florida State to hang on to a guy that's not going to ultimately be here solely so a kid signs and then you release him the next day. Yeah, that, I've, that's I've already, a disservice. But it happens everywhere, and it's 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 not criminal, but it's certainly not really ethical. I agree. And schools do it. I agree. All right. Do I, you do you feel better? Not really. I don't either. Not really. It's kind of a malaise of this has been the longest seven game stretch of a football season I can remember. Here's the point: we you and I talked about. I think some on Sunday, Keith. To me, what has happened? You you can. You know, everybody's in agreement there's a disconnect and something's not working. We can all point different places and say it's this coach or this side of the ball or this player or no senior leaders or Jimbo's tempo or non-tempo or his scheme or come up with 412 reasons that you want. I think that the players have cashed it in and it's – they're playing scared. You You said it. They're afraid to lose. It's like in high school, that girl that you want to ask out – but she might say no, so I just won't ask her out. I'll just hang out over here. And then and I come can, to find out nobody ever asked and, her out. But I can say, you know what? If I would have asked her out, she would have said yes. So I'm not even going to invest in the game. I'm just going to hang out over here. We're going to play. It's not quite going through the motions, but it's also not being all in and putting everything on the line. And I don't know that you can flip that switch between BC and the rest of this season. Well, I would tell you that the potential to flip that switch exists because, again, my statement, it's from the shoulders up, and you can change that immediately. The probability of that switch being switched is probably pretty remote. Well, we'll find out starting on Saturday. Wow. All right, and now I feel even worse. We're supposed to feel better after these sessions, Keith. And we still have more to go, so there is time. To... I, I'm going to go lay down on the couch. What about the Florida situation? Are you surprised at all? Yes, very much. Uh, you just normally don't see that done that quickly. Uh, I mean, it, it went from bad to terrible real quick. I mean, whether they lost three consecutive games. I know it's Georgia. I know it's the rival. I know it was bad. Uh, and the other thing that's interesting about it that we don't have time to get into it, but, but again, I, I teach in the – Risk and insurance and real estate and business law department. All right, business law is the last part of that. And the gentleman who has the office right beside mine on campus is one of the business law professors. And he and I were talking yesterday about this whole thing about dismissal for cause, which would allow Florida to not pay Coach Mack $12, 13000000 million, whatever it is. And I've even looked at a copy of his contract. And the contract 
you know, talks about some four cause issues, but then there's a real broad thing in there that says, basically, if you do anything to embarrass the university, we can dismiss you for cause. And does the allegation or comment that there had been death threats and then ended up maybe there weren't, does that rise to the level of embarrassment where Florida can terminate for cause and not have to pay becomes a very, very interesting legal question. Well, didn't – did they get it resolved already though? I, I don't I, know that either side wants I've to go not, to the legal. I've not followed up on it. There were reports that he was going to take $4 million, which if he's going to take it, it means – they probably have reason, and he's just going to take it and not spend. Although of that four million, what was interesting is like three million of it was going back to Colorado State still. So it really is just recoupment. A, yeah, it's really just it. So anyway, uh, his dismissal had nothing to do with on field. I mean, that didn't help it. But the the, the Florida community just talk about never a disconnect. Yeah, a disconnect. There's a disconnect for you. All right. Anyway, we'll disconnect this segment and continue with more front row knolls right after this. I had the radio I was driving, trees went by, me and Del were singing, a little runaway, I was flying. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Welcome back. We will continue on this Wednesday evening as Florida State gets set to entertain Syracuse on Saturday. Still have trouble looking at these notes, Keith, and seeing two and five. Yeah, it's not. Uh, you want you, you keep thinking you're dyslexic. <laughs> maybe just maybe it's five and two. Adding to it, the college football playoff first four was released last night. In full disclosure, I did not watch. I did not either. It was, it I, I was, looked. I looked at the printout. I get. I get emailed it. I looked at it this morning, but that's about the extent of it. It was Halloween, so I was a little preoccupied. But uh, what'd you dress as, by the way? I was dressed as a surgeon, for the record. Okay, had scrubs on the whole deal. Good deal. And I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express the night before, so it was all good. You were all prepared. What'd you think of the rankings? Uh, I thought it interesting um, that uh, you know the the consensus was that Alabama would be number one, defending national champion, et cetera, et cetera. But in the eyes of the committee, Georgia had played. I guess their rationale was that they had played a little tougher schedule. Alabama hadn't played so many. Of course, Alabama's game against Florida cause, State. Yeah. You know, we don't we don't help that clause. Uh, I thought it also interesting that essentially you only had two of the five conferences represented given the fact that technically Notre Dame is an independent and uh, everybody in those other Power Five conferences are squawking out the yin-yang. Uh, but uh, once we get through talking about it and whether it's uh, right, wrong, or indifferent, we need to remind ourselves that it really doesn't matter because <laughs> it's just the first one. <laughs> it's just the first one. Uh, but uh, I do think it gives a little bit of insight into how the committee thinks uh, a little differently and, and does pay attention to strength of schedule and how you're trending and, and some of the other things that we all got so frustrated with when it was just the computers and or just a group of voters. So, you know, it continues to mature. It's got it's got work to do, and uh, this one is a good dry run, and you'll have is another is it six more before the final one comes out, five more, and then this final, something like that. And we'll see. Do you think we're any closer? And this every year that this happens, and we'll see what happens with Notre Dame. You know, the scenario that would get us closer to expanding the playoff is Notre Dame not making it. Right, right. Particularly if, you know, they're sitting there at 11-1 and one or 12-0 and right. or whatever they might be. Uh, I don't know. I, I think it goes back to other conversations that we've had about when Notre Dame makes the decision to maybe join the ACC permanently. I think it also speaks to other conversations we've had about when the playoffs go to eight so that you do, in fact, reward a conference championship by making the five conference champions the the mandatory picks, and then you have three at, at large. Uh, and I think all that, everybody talks about it's not going to happen anytime soon. I, I personally think it's going to happen sooner as opposed to later, uh, but certainly not going to happen in the next year or two. But uh, it continues to make good conversation. I continue to think it's going to happen. It could be a sort of a chip in the game of forcing people to pay – 
you know, for their over-the-top programming as we talk about the decline of cable subscribers and all that. If you've got more inventory and more games there, people are going to want to watch those games, and so you can force their hand a little bit more on that. So I, I do think, I, I still believe we'll get to eight uh, at some point. It is interesting to me that, uh, and granted, we've got to let the rest of the season play out, but so far the ACC has not been the conference that's been excluded at any point, even though that's been the overriding fear of FSU fans since we went to this format. That, that is correct. And uh, I think I think uh, the, the committee does give a little bit of weight to, to who played and who won last time out, and, and I think to a degree they should. Uh, I do think it's going to be interesting to see how Clemson continues to fare uh, as it relates to you know the, the, the game against Florida State. If FSU were playing well, had a better record, would be important. Well, now in Clemson on Clemson side, the FSU game is really not important. It's it's really a problem because you know you you end up not performing well and still winning. You're going to get looked at negatively. Whereas all you wanted well, to do when the season the cha- started was win. I think the champion of the ACC is still going to be in though. I mean, if Clemson runs the table and wins, or if it's Miami Virginia Tech coming out of the other side, I'm not convinced it'll be my what miami has going for it is belief right now they've got the exact opposite of what fsu has fsu doesn't buy in miami buys in and believes they've won the close games i still wonder if uh you know being light on scholarship numbers at the start and then just natural attrition of the season won't catch up with them against virginia tech or in a championship game against clemson well and and uh, don't ever and they play notre dame as well and don't forget to you know don't don't discount virginia tech they have been very quietly under fuentes getting better and better i think they found a quarterback uh, Lane Stadium is a horrible place to play. I don't know where that that Miami Virginia Tech game is, uh, but but you know that's a tough place to play. Has been for forty years. Uh, don't don't discount the Hokies. They they they've got a lot left in their tank too. Well, and they're both. You know, you talk about Miami and Virginia Tech, part of the ACC coaching change in the last year or two that really has helped elevate the conference overall in terms of national thinking. When you look at the SEC this year, Keith, the Florida job is already open. The Tennessee job is going to open. Maybe Arkansas. Maybe uh, Auburn. Maybe, if Auburn goes maybe. off the rails, maybe Texas A&M. Ole Miss is open. I mean, half the SEC is going to be open this year, and it'll be very interesting to me to see if they just recycle SEC coaches or if they actually expand because the ACC went out and brought in, you know, a Bronco Mendenhall and a, and a Fuentes. I mean, obviously Mark Rick came in. I mean, they were outside of the ACC's walls and really elevated, and it's got to be a little bit of a dose of humble pie, but that's what the SEC's got to do. And I'm wondering where and how and how do you identify the next young guy? I mean, I know Riley got promoted into the Oklahoma job, and that that has not necessarily gone where. But where's that thirty-five, thirty-eight-year-old guy? Well, Scott Frost is in Orlando at UCF. Well, that that's that's accurate. I, I, I neglected to mention him, but but with those SEC jobs, you know, will will some of them, one of them, take a shot on a Frost type of guy? And where is he, and do they find him? Uh, I think that's going to be an interesting who, watch. Who do you think Florida's going to get? I think they should go after Frost. I guess that's why I was discounting him in my mind. In my mind, he's already gone. But is Nebraska going to make a change in one year and come back after him? Because for those that don't know, he played Frost played quarterback at Nebraska. That would be going back home. But I think that'd be a great hire. I hate it as a Seminole, but I think it'd be a great hire for Florida. Yeah, and it could be. Clearly, I mean, he's in Orlando now. I'm not convinced Florida will go that way simply because he doesn't have a long track record and florida's gone through you know ron zook without a head coach track record urban had a head coaching track record and it worked out then they went to Muschamp without a head coaching track record and now they've been at McElwain with a very short head coaching and none of those worked out so to me i think dan mullen's the guy they're going to get because he was already there so you don't like taggart you don't like strong oh it's not that i don't like him i just think if dan mullen wanted to go back he coached tebow he won two titles there or maybe it was one i don't know the whole timeline there the AD at Florida was at Mississippi State, knows him well. I mean, I think if Mullen wanted the job, now he may not want it because, uh, you know, he, I'm sure he's making a nice living and there's, you know, you win eight games a year in Starkville and everybody's happy. And it's a little different if you go to Gainesville. But nope, to me, no that's question. what it No, Taggart or Strong, all those guys, if you go to Florida, I mean, you're going to be set up pretty well at a, at a good program there. But that'd be my guess on it. How about Jimbo? To coach in Gainesville? <laughs> 
a little levity, a little levity. I got you. Of all the, I wasn't sure what you were asking there. Yes, of, <laughs> of all the things that's going to happen, that's not going to be one of them. I understand. All right, we'll come back, put the wraps on the show right after this. Sarcasm in the classroom. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. Just a couple more minutes as we wrap up. Keith, we've done this full hour. We haven't talked at all about this game, which seems secondary to the bigger issue of the season that's gone off the tracks. But uh, Syracuse comes to town. They're 4-4, four and 2-2 four, two and two in the league. Obviously, they beat Clemson. Played very well against Miami. Had four turnovers and still could have won that game. So this is nothing is an easy task right now for FSU. Certainly Syracuse is not. Well, compounded with the fact that they're very up-tempo. They try to run 90, 95 plays a game. Their quarterback is a tough guy. We we set up uh, wherever we were traveling that particular night and watched the, the, the uh, Clemson game. To, to Clemson's credit or discredit, they did lose their quarterback uh, for about a quarter and a half. Uh, defensively Syracuse is very aggressive uh and you know it, it's it's a tough ball game particularly when you're sitting at two and five and you're playing without a lot of confidence what I worry about is a repeat of the Boston College debacle because kids go out there and don't give it much heart much less all of their heart and unfortunately I think that's a very real possibility yeah and that's a shame if it goes that way because at some point you got to find some pride in there somewhere I mean, you got to find something for everybody who came before you at Florida State to suck it up, even though you're not going to be able to meet your dreams this year, and say, we got to go out and represent. There's still a game to play, and that's what yeah. you came here to do, is to play that game. And, and you know, the, as we've talked about, the one thing you can control, regardless of the environment, regardless of the situation, the one thing you can control 100% is your effort. And hopefully the kids will play with some effort on Saturday did find this interesting i sort of knew it to be true or close but uh, when i read it, it it stuck out as a little bit more jarring and that's just fsu started a true freshman at quarterback and running back in the same game last week for the first time since freshmen became eligible in 1972 so that doesn't excuse the issues but it does partially explain why the offense is having such struggles scoring the football well or I moving mean, the football you know uh, jeff, jeff uh, was a fielding that came in and spoke at the quarterback club meeting he was the um the executive lee, lee uh lee sterling. felding sterling lee somebody you know he made a comment we didn't it talk wasn't about lee this. corso we can no, confirm that no, it was not <laughs> but he made a comment uh in the in the q a part that that and he his perspective would be an outsider's perspective and that being that when deandre francois went down florida state lost its alpha dog Right, wrong, and different. He was the leader of that offense, and when he goes down in the Alabama game, there's nobody to step in and 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 fill the void, and that's the biggest reason, from his perspective, why Florida State is is two and four at that time, two and five now, and maybe maybe we're so close to it we can't see it, but the uh, the loss of DeAndre, well, I maybe, think maybe I is think that that's big. certainly part of it. I, I don't, I don't, I think we're beyond there being one little fix or or it could have gotten fixed but yeah you lost a veteran quarterback and you lost a guy who was by default not because he's naturally that way but he by default he was the leader of the offense and, as the and, returning starting quarterback and obviously uh, uh jacques you know brings a little more power to the table and losing him for however many games if not the entire season also but yeah it's a freshman quarterback and a freshman uh running back and and um you know it is what it is we will try to be in a better mood next week, folks. We're hoping that Saturday's game... Regardless of the outcome? Let's let's endeavor to try regardless of outcome, Keith. Pinky, right. pinky swear? Pinky swear. He's KJ. I'm Tom. We'll talk to you next week on Front Row Knowles. Between the cover of another perfect wonder where it's so wide as snow Running through the field where all my tracks will be concealed in his nose